Awesome. Well, uh, Faith Walkers is an incredible time. It's our conference that we have at the end of the year that our movement of churches has. And so we're um, just excited about it, and we hope that you guys can come. I've been going to Faith Walkers for 15 years. My life has been changed every time. I've become a better um, man, a better husband, a better father uh, every time I've gone. So I encourage you guys to come, to go, um, and uh, we're really excited about it. So if you don't know me, if you've never uh, met me, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken, and I'm excited to just dive into this series that we've been going through. Uh, this series is called My Offering, and uh, it's a series that we're doing on uh, just generosity and giving and as a church, we don't often teach on generosity and giving, um, and so uh, we're excited to kind of walk through some uh, biblical truths and even excited to have um, a class going on right now, even before Sundays, that's going through even in helping people how to budget, how to think through giving, and how to think through um, priorities, and how to think through money. Money's talked about often in Scripture. Um, I love what uh, my co-pastor shared last week. God cares about money um, because we care about money, and he wants to carefully instruct us on its dangers, but also its good, and so we hope that's what um, we'll be doing this morning. Um, so again, my offerings is our series, um, and uh, we're week four, and uh, the, the series today is just titled Secret Handshake, um, so it's not this like weird bro fraternity thing. Um, it's not like that NFL, like we're not going to teach you how to, you know, do some dabs and, um, you know, end zone party. Um, we're talking about secret handshakes. Um, and uh, I don't know why we called it that. It's just, it's actually from our text um, that we're going to dive into Matthew. But secret handshakes, it is a Q&A series, which means that uh, as uh, we teach and as I teach, feel free to... Um, to text in a comment, a question, a thought, um, something that's confusing to you, uh, awakenqna at gmail. We'll take a few minutes at the end to tackle those. Um, so I, I'd love to share, when I was in college, I did a lot of things to make money to pay for college. Uh, I was an RA, um, and I was a lifeguard. So really uh, two awesome jobs. Um, as an RA, they did this training, and they also did it as a lifeguard, uh, as a lifeguard too, but it's called Behind Closed Doors. And the training, um, you would like walk into a dorm room and there'd be this scenario playing out from like a student struggling with suicide to like a gun. And you're like, what do I do? And as an RA, they trained you on all these things. So they were kind of evaluating uh, how well you were listening, what you would do. Same thing as a lifeguard, right? They they'd, um, you know, were trained as a lifeguard and they'd have a scenario go out you know, go down in the locker room, the pool, and you had to respond and react. I'd imagine that most of you in your either careers or in a job that you had in college, you've had to do that as well. You've had to do some kind of training. It was a mock situation, but it was helping you prepare for the real thing. Um, sometimes I think in many ways this is what preaching and teaching is. The Bible's instruction, it's training so that when we get to the real life, we'll be ready. So uh, our series is, again, it's on generosity, it's on giving, it's on finances, it's on offering. And so I thought it'd be really cool to ask you guys some questions, to do a little Q&A with you guys. So here's some scenarios 
Um, let's see if you guys get the right answers. Scenario number one, you've been working really hard at work. You've been working hard to hit those bonus numbers, and if you hit your bonus numbers, you're going to get a sweet payout. And you're already thinking about how to spend that extra cash, a travel vacation, some nice Christmas gifts, maybe some Black Friday shopping. It's been tough, but recently, some nagging thoughts about giving some of that money away to a family in need or to a local nonprofit or even, um, uh, even just giving to a friend who you know does really important mission work. That's kind of been bugging you. It's been entering your mind. What do you do? Well, you got a couple options. You can A, pray about those decisions and see what God says. B, decide just, I'm going to divide it up. All my bonus money, I'm going to divide up equally. You know, everybody's getting an equal share of the pie. Or C, you know what? God will provide if they work hard too. I'm working hard and God will provide for them if they work hard too. Um, and so that hard-earned bonus money, I, I'm going to spend it on what I was thinking about spending it on. Scenario number one. So feel free to write down what you'd answer or text it to yourself or just kind of keep a log. Be thinking about how you're going to answer these scenarios. Scenario number two. You recently were given $4,000 as a gift from a family member. Completely unexpectedly. And honestly, wow, much needed. You know, some debt has accrued in your life and you need to repair your car. Um, placing some money in savings might be nice. And also buying some new clothes for, for you and for your family is important. You're torn, though, because the money has been a gift. You weren't really expecting it or counting on it. Um, but there are also some spiritual things that you've been praying about. You'd really like to go on a mission trip. Um, you know, the building fund that the church has, you'd love to be able to help there. Um, also, what about just doing something for people who really can't give back, for the homeless? You'd love to do like a meal for them and some medical care. What do you do? Well, A, you take care of your essentials first and Trust God that some will be left over. Um, B, you split the money down the middle. Half to, you know, spiritual things and half to the things that um, you really need the money for. Or um, C, you know, the money was a gift, so you're just going to find a way to give it all back. So again, be thinking about these right answers. We're going to review them. Um, Scenario three, you just finished a budgeting class and you're excited to begin your new budget, but there's one big problem. You don't make enough to cover all of your expenses and be generous and give. You want to value giving to God and being generous, but not at the expense of going into debt. You look over all your categories and, re 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 and see that some of those expenses look like lifestyle expenses. 30 bucks a week for coffee, 100 bucks a month for subscriptions. Um, and yeah, 130 bucks for just staying in shape. Um, you got your CrossFit gym that you love, and giving that up would be really hard. So you've got some choices and decisions. So you need to see how your budget works now is option A, and you'll decide to give from God and be generous as you get more money in your budget. Um, B, you decide to make some tough cuts and you give up one or two of those lifestyle choices. And C, maybe you just need to restart your budget 
and make giving a first priority, not a last option. We got one last scenario for you to, to be thinking through. Now, some of you guys like who like these kind of things, you're like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. Some of you guys might be sitting here like, I'm overwhelmed. One last scenario. You're finally an empty nester. Whew. Praise the Lord. Your kids are still in college, and you want to help them with college costs, but you also need to start saving a little money for retirement. You just receive a promotion at work, and you finally have money to travel a little bit and, and maybe even give back to what you feel like truly matters, the gospel going to all the world. But how do you have tough conversations with everyone, or do you just try to move some of that money around in equity that you've earned in the last 20 years? What to do? How do you make everybody happy? A, you have a difficult conversation with your children and talk about their financial futures. B, you hold off on giving extra to your retirement so that you can travel and also give to your church. Or C, you really feel like all those things are really important, so you figure out a way to refinance your house or, or make kind of a 401 uh, loan against your 401k to pay for all those priorities. So just think, take, take 10 seconds to be, just be thinking through your choices, your decisions, We like that, too. We like to kind of think through what we're going to do when we're presented with a problem. Most of us. Some of us, again, are overwhelmed by that. So let me give you guys the right answers. Um, they were tough questions. But really? Right answers? What if none of those were right answers? And I think some answers we would all agree were more wise than others. Some answers we could all agree were more generous than others. And some answers we could probably say, ooh, that was a little selfish. But were, which ones were right and which ones were wrong? Do we... And can we judge that? Can I step into your shoes and judge the decisions you're making when you're faced with a scenario like that? I think this is one of the things that we'll look at is how do we make the right decision? And sometimes is there a right decision with our money? And what we've been talking about in this series is, is there's this arc of generosity that the Bible explores with money. On one end, there's people who aren't generous at all, who believe it belongs to them. And on the other end, there's people who believe that money and ownership is something to be steward, stewarded and something to, to be offered to God. So we're going to just dive into our text this morning. Um, if you brought your Bible or if you want to pull it up on your phone, Matthew 6 is our text. Matthew chapter 6. Some of you also might be like, Andrew, I thought you were going to give us the right answers to those scenarios. It's okay. Matthew chapter 6, 
starting in verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. I assure you they've got the reward. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. May we uh, unveil that truth this morning. May we search your text. May we know you. May we find you. May, may your word and your truth and your spirit speak wisdom into our hearts and lives. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. So secret handshake. I'd love to tell you guys a story. Um, my brother and I, when we were growing up, we were a part of um, the Assembly of God churches, and they had um, a really cool thing for, for boys and young men and teenagers just called Royal Rangers. So yeah, some of you might know what Royal Rangers, um, it's basically Boy Scouts, but Christian. Um, and um, kind of the same, a lot of the same things, camping, um, you know, uh, merit badges, all these same things. But Royal Rangers had something cool if you were a teenager. Is called Frontiersmen Camping Fellowship, FCF. And this was basically like you got to go back 200 years in history and like be like Davy Crockett and Daniel Boone and do tomahawk throwing and powdered muskets and knives and you get to dress up in buckskin and go camping and, and um, you know, like really cool. But then like when your friends hear about it, they're like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, What? It was really cool. Um, so uh, my brother and I do that and did that. And, and so what was cool about that is you had this like intense week when you first decided you wanted to do it. It was like initiation without hazing. Um, and, but but you, were, you had some things that you had to do. And one of the things that they gave you, they gave you a, a, a knife. Um, yeah, like a really awesome knife, like a, a, a big knife. Um, and here's the deal. You couldn't lose that knife for the weekend. You have to perform basic skills with it. Um, and uh, my brother, um, he got his knife. And what's cool about it is at the end of the, the three-day time, you're given a name. You're given a frontiersman name. Um, so he got his knife. And first day, um, and you're out in the woods. You're doing a lot of things. Um, but they had something that, that you know, they, they had some basic facilities. So we'll, we'll put the picture up there real quick. Keep going. Great. Basic facilities. So many of us know that as a John or a porta potty. So my brother has his knife. <laughs> Plop. And um, first day, you have to have your knife. And if you don't end with it, you, you're not, like, inaugurated. You have to protect it. It's one of the rights. And my brother has to make a decision. <laughs> like any true man, he got down on his hands and knees and put his hand into the porta potty 
into the John. Now, I will say this, my brother, in his defense, he's like, hey, it was the first day, so there wasn't a lot of floaties in there, okay? The smell wasn't that bad. So he sticks and reaches his hand in there, and he's got to find his knife. And it takes him, it takes him about a minute. It's a tough, you know, it's just really tough. You can imagine. And my brother's name at the end of the three days of Frontier Camping Fellowship, FCF, his name was Blue Hand. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Because they put this liquid that smells good, that's supposed to counteract things, but it's blue. And my brother's hand is in the goo for about a minute. And it stains his hand. He washed his hands like 47 times. His hand was stained for like two weeks. It's a legendary story. You know, when, I th when we read that passage about not knowing what your left hand is doing, not knowing what your right hand is doing from the left hand, I think that's what my brother thought about. The knife dropped. And before he could really think about, is it wise to stick my hand in porta potty goo? He just did it. I don't think he was thinking. It's a really cool story. I think it has some application to what we're going to talk about. And as we've looked at Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4, we're just going to camp here. And we're going to talk a little about the context between these verses. We're going to talk about the culture at the time. And then we're going to look to Christ. Because I think these verses are going to speak into our lives about generosity and giving and offering. So we're just going to uh, start with a few things. Uh, a few things about the context um, of the passage. We're in Matthew 6. There's going to be one key word that, that's mentioned several times. Um, it's the Greek word upokritai. And you might not track it in Greek, but we use that word a lot in church. It's just simply translated as hypocrites. The word's going to appear several times, not only in these four verses, but in the coming verses as well. Hypocrites. It's a word that we've tossed around. It's a word maybe that we've felt at times. Maybe sometimes our actions haven't lined up to our profession and our faith. Um, if we look at the word um, in Greek, uh, hypocrites were actors. They were people who got on a stage kind of like this. And um, they played multiple characters in plays. And how you would know that they were a different character is they would go off stage really quickly or they'd go behind themselves and they'd pick up a different mask. They'd wear a different mask. And so the audience would know, oh, you're a different character. I think we've done that before in our lives. We've quickly exited stage and grabbed a mask. We've played characters before. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This is the stage. This is the setting. 
wearing masks. Matthew's gospel is also a stage. You see, it's a stage for the cosmic drama unfolding since creation, where Jesus Christ will be the main character. And Jesus Christ doesn't have masks on. We could summarize Matthew's gospel in in one sentence. It would be this idea that there is an unveiled king who's giving an unveiled law That king is Jesus Christ, and that law is one of love that we call the gospel. The last thing in our context that we're looking at is um, Matthew really wants to frame his gospel in this idea that Jesus is giving a new law. And so this whole passage In Matthew 4 and 5, Jesus kind of ascends to the top of a mountain. He sits down like a king would sit down, and he speaks the law. And if you're following along as a Jew, this is what God did when he brought them out of Egypt. That they they camped at a mountain. They were provided food, and, and Moses went up and met with God, and they were given a law to live by. Matthew's trying to kind of have the same picture for us as readers. Jesus is sitting down as the king, giving a new law. And what he's really doing is he's unpacking the law that was already given because we don't get it. I don't get the law sometimes. I don't get the law of love. And this law of love in the Old Testament, it talks a lot about the poor. It talks a lot on how to care for the poor. There's several passages there that you're free to study. One of the reasons why it talks about it is because God has a heart for the poor. The poor burden God's heart. He wants to make sure that they are loved and cared for and protected from the generosity of his people. There's two ways his people did that in the Old Testament. The first is they would give their money to the Levites, who were the priests. And the Levites would have funds in order to distribute and meet the needs of the poor. That was way number one. Way number two was that people would actually not collect their full harvest. So they'd leave the edges of their field um, unharvested so that the poor could come into the fields and work and gain a harvest and gain enough money to have dignity and worth. And I love that picture because it's not just people giving the poor money, it's actually people inviting the poor in dignity and worth to work alongside them for the harvest. And I love that picture. And so these are the two ways that God provided in his law to care and love the poor by feeding them. It's a beautiful picture. So let's dive into verse one. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of people to be seen by them. Otherwise, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
So this verse is actually introducing the next 18 verses. We're just going to camp on four verses. Um, it begins with a command. Um, I'm a dad of three boys. I give lots of commands around my house. Most of the time is don't touch that. Don't, don't hit them. Um, sometimes it's not even like intelligible words. It's just like, ah. I think we give commands in and Jesus is giving a command here as a king. And he's saying, watch out. Be careful. Take heed. Listen. For us, we should, when we hear this command, we should draw a little closer to God's word. We should come a little bit more near and say, I'm listening. Um, I know that's not what my kids do sometimes. <laughs> But this is the intent of the text when a command is given that we draw a little bit near and try to figure out how do we obey that command. So it begins with a command. And then Jesus is going to dive right in to giving, um, to almsgiving, to charitable giving. Uh, alms is an old medieval word. We just have broken that down and we call it charitable giving now. And he's going to talk about charitable giving, he's going to talk about prayer, and he's going to talk about fasting. So the, the key here in, in uh, Judaism at the time, those were the big three. How do you draw near to God? It's not how are you righteous. They believed in the sacrificial system for their righteousness. But how do you practice your righteousness? And the big three where you give money to the poor, you pray, and you fast. Those were the big three things. Um, and Jesus is setting the stage. He's setting the stage in verse one. And so we see the characters are set. We see that there's performers. We see that there's an audience. We see that there's a reward. And we see that there's a father in heaven. The stage is set. Um, it's the same stage today, is it not? Performers, audience, reward, and a father in heaven. Let's look at verse two. So, whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be applauded by people. I assure you they've got their reward. Don't blow your trumpets. Now, this text, we don't really, we're not really sure what that means. Uh, most scholars would, would say sometimes when the temple gates open, the, the shofar, the trumpet would call people to, to come in and, and to worship. And so is that what it means? Like, you know, um, you know don't make, like, don't make sure that, like, when the, trumpet's first blown to worship, that you're the first person in there, you know, giving the money. Uh, other scholars have said, no, actually, like, they had this box that you kind of, like, would give the money, and so, um, like, if you dropped a few coins, like, ding, ding, you know what I mean? But if you dropped a lot, ding, 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 that's, like, the sound of the trumpet. Um, not really sure 
um, the whole idea of like, I'm going to sound a trumpet just to be cool and popular and give something that's probably like a later invention, you know, like those medieval processions where like important people blew trumpets and everybody like cleared the way for them. Probably not quite what we're talking about. Um, but I think we have this in our culture right now. I, I know my phone dings a lot. Notification, ding. Notification, ding. Someone's updating their status on Instagram or Facebook. Um, the other day, I, I just saw a notification, and it was from a friend um, of mine, but she was like, I just had a great quiet time, you know, out in nature. And it's like, oh, like, kind of reading along this passage, I guess that's your reward. Like, you posted about your great quiet time in nature. Text says that's your reward. Like, people heard about it and saw about it, so good for you. Her post was just that. There was nothing substantial. I didn't learn about what she learned from Scripture. Uh, it was just I had a great quiet time out in nature. And I, I really am. I'm genuinely happy for her. The flip side is Scripture says that that's her reward. She has just performed on the play, on the stage, and her reward has been given to her. People saw that she had a quiet time. Be careful that we don't practice our righteousness in front of people. Again, the stage is set. It's happening in the synagogues, in the streets. It's happening where people see us. So the last text there that Jesus says, I assure you, they've got their reward. Um, that word uh, reward, it means bill of sale, um, like receipt. So they've practiced their righteousness. They've given to the poor. It's somehow been heard or seen by people. And that's their reward. There's no further reward from God. It's like sometimes even in our culture, we, we have corporate sponsors and they're the names on all the big, you know, functions that we do. We're giving them a reward, a visibility, it is out of thankfulness, but God says you've got your reward when you're doing things to be applauded, when you're doing things in front of others. It's a bill of sale, and here's, here's what's important, and I want you guys to think about this. They were not giving. Rather, they were buying. They were not giving, they were buying. And what were they buying? They were buying praise from men. They were buying applause. They were buying people seeing them do a good work. People seeing them practicing righteousness. I think the question we have to ask is, what does God want? We'll go to verse 3. Jesus says, but, he's drawing a contrast, but when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Again, this is another command, and this is the heart of, of our secret handshake series. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
So this is also really difficult to interpret. Like, what does that mean? Because that, it's a command. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And like, I'm kind of like, well, like, I kind of control both my mind. Like, I don't know. I don't get that, Jesus. Um, so some interpretations have been given. Uh, some of the rabbis um, and some of the early um, pastors and, and church fathers would say that, well, like it's, it's really hard to conceal in a robe what you're doing with two hands. You know, it's kind of weird if you're like wearing a robe, like you're trying to do something with two hands. It's like, oh, what are they doing? They're doing something under there. Whereas if you just have one hand, you can kind of sneakily give. That, that was one interpretation. Uh, another one is, uh, involves toilet paper. Um, in the ancient world, you had two hands for two reasons. One for wiping. This would be your left hand. It's your wiping hand. Your second hand is your hand of honor. The one you wage war with. The one you strike business deals with. So if we're just thinking about that real quick. Your left hand would be your blue hand, right? Your left hand is your blue hand, the one you put in the porta potty. So that's one thing is, 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 hey, like, you know, let your right hand, you know, give before the left hand can be greedy and snatch it away or be unclean. It's like, okay. Um, I'm, I'm uh, I really, I can get behind that. Um, I'll share um, my thought. It comes from Star Wars. Um, so you know it's right on. Um, it comes from The Force Awakens, so spoiler alert. Um, if you've never seen it, I'm sorry. It's been out for a couple years. Um, and uh, there's a scene at the end where Han Solo goes to destroy the super weapon, but also maybe, hopefully, um, win his son back. So they meet on this bridge in this chasm, and his son says, help me, Daddy, um, and uh, gives him his lightsaber. And uh, Han grabs the lightsaber and like, sure, let's go home. And, and all of a sudden, nothing happens. There's this frozen moment, this tension. It seems like there's this war, this thing that's wrestling, going on with, with Kylo. And, and all of a sudden, Kylo ignites his lightsaber, and um, you have to watch the movie. Um, you really do. I think sometimes, to me, when you sit with a decision long enough, sometimes the good that you want to do, it won't happen. Because you're holding so tightly onto something that maybe you know you shouldn't do, but, but you're going to do it anyway. Jesus says, if you're going to practice righteousness, sometimes don't hold on to things. Make the decision quickly, secretly. Let's look in verse 4. Jesus explained this, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The point of all this, the point of these few verses that we're just looking at is this. Your giving to the poor will be done in secret. 
You don't need to trumpet it. You don't need a ding. You don't need people to see it. It's done in secret. It's done quickly. It's done even sometimes before you've had a chance to really weigh the decision. And here's the amazing thing that Jesus says, and this is what's important, because you see, at the time, everybody was trying to practice their righteousness. And the reason why they were trying to practice their righteousness was they believed is that if a society is Jews, they could become more righteous and more holy, the Messiah would come back. They didn't know who he was. And here's the Messiah who's unveiled, sitting, teaching to them and saying, stop worrying about practicing your righteousness in front of everybody. Do it in secret. I think that's a real struggle for us because don't we want our friends and our family to give to the things that we're passionate about? Don't we want them to do and volunteer with the things that we're passionate about? And Jesus says, practice your giving and your compassion and your generosity in secret towards the poor. Why? Because the Father who sees in secret will reward you. And you know what I love about this passage? Jesus doesn't say what the reward is. Isn't that nice? But doesn't that mess with us? We oftentimes want the reward. We want to know what it is. We want to know what we're going to get. So if you've got any questions at this time, uh, feel free to send them in. Awaken Q&A at Gmail. We're going to tackle them in about two minutes. Um, so awakenQ&A at gmail.com. We just looked at four verses in Matthew. Um, they, were, they were rich. My prayer and hope is that you learn some new things. My prayer and hope also is that it's part of our training. What's going to happen to you the next time you're presented with an opportunity to be generous? These four verses set up the rest of the text. In Matthew 6, verse 21 for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, hey, as a performer on the play of life, if your treasure is getting the applause, ding, 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 of men on this earth, then that's going to be your reward. But if your treasure is doing the secret, hidden things of God, then your reward will be in heaven. And so for us, it's being reminded that sometimes we need to come out of the porta potty. It's a poor stage. My brother did not want to let go of his knife, of the possession that he had. Imagine just waving people, hey, got my hand. Are we like that in our lives sometimes? Have our possessions and stuff plunged our arm into muck? as we wave at people and say, don't worry about it. Let's come out of the porta potty. Our handshake will either be with the world or it'll be with God. And God will see it. So God sees your giving in secret. And three things, it reveals to him that you believe in a God who sees. Second, 
Giving in secret guards your heart against greed and stuff. And last, giving in secret gives you a reward. Um, We're going to look at some questions, but I think one thing that I'm thankful for is God gave Jesus Christ, but he did not give Jesus Christ to us as a secret. He chose to unveil him. God chose to unveil Christ on a hill where he paid for our sins in the open. And this is the gospel and this is the truth that we believe in. It's not a secret. It is open to all who desire to study and believe and know God. My greatest hope is that as we talk about finances and generosity and offering, we would come to see that the, the greatest offering, the greatest sacrifice, the greatest payment, the greatest bill of sale has already been made on our behalf, and we come out no longer in debt, but we come out forgiven and free. And this is the gospel. If this is something that you'd like to believe in, or if you need prayer for something in your life, we want to invite you um, just over to this side of the stage um, after service. We've got a prayer corner. Um, I'd love to meet you there. We've got people who will pray for you. Um, let's tackle one or two questions, and then we'll close out our time. Cool, great. Yeah, great practical question here. If you've witnessed someone give or been a recipient of someone's giving, is it okay to bring praise, attention to others for their generosity or or righteousness? So if you've witnessed just this kind act, this generous act, is it okay to to tell other people? Um, I think sometimes, you know, if you've witnessed it, just go to ask that person, hey, I saw you do this. I know you don't want attention. You don't want praise. You know, is it okay if I share that in an email with people? Or is it okay if I hold you up as an example? Or, or, um, and just, um, you know, ask them the question. And um, they might say yes. They might say, hey, I, I appreciate that you saw that. I wasn't meaning for you to see that. But no, I kind of want to keep that under wraps. Um, and I, I think that's fine. Um, Yeah, I'd like to tell my friends and coworkers of the charity and giving that our church does, but how do I hesitate because of that hypocrite verse? How can I highlight the generous things God is doing through a church without being in violation of this verse? That's a great question, right? How, how do we, um, in some ways, brag that the, the body of Jesus Christ has, for millennia, loved the poor, cared for the poor, that's, that's tough. Um, I, I think being able to, to have a, like a serious conversation with them, pick your when-appropriate moment, and um, feel free to, the more general you can make it. But a lot of times people are like, oh, the church, they're just responsible for like all the wars and all this and all that, and they're kind of going on. Or, oh, the church should just step up and do more things about it. I think sometimes the, the quick thing you can say is, hey, are you serious about that statement? Because if you have some time, I'd love to tell you some of the things that our church is doing in our community. And most of the time, people will either step back or, or yeah, I, I would like to know, what are you doing in your community? 
So I think that's a, hopefully that's a way to tackle it. One last question. So if you are to be generous, move in silence like a ninja. Um, yeah, I do think um, there are things that my wife and I, I do that we're not going to tell people about. We're not going to tell people about sacrifices. We're not going to tell people about some of the things we do. Um, just because it's, it's meant to be a reward in secret. Um, and um, I think that's precious to us. There should be things in your relationship and your time and your schedule right now that you're doing that people aren't seeing, or maybe people are seeing, but they don't know how much you're really struggling with it. But it's precious to God. Your Father in heaven sees, and he will reward you. And I think that's beautiful, and that's good. And that's exactly what Jesus is getting at. Don't let all the things that you do in your life, don't let them be for the play to receive the applause of men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, this time today. Lord, we thank you that, um, Lord, you teach us from your word. Um, Lord, just even in our lives, Lord, would we be a people who, um, who let go of things so we can give? Would you teach me to let go of things so that I can give? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.